You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the crankiest I've ever seen him. The best damn football team, huh, Grump? Well, you know, Grump, you know, this should be a very happy weekend for me. My my Tampa Bay Rays, they won another division. Florida killed Tennessee per normal. And yet, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, I am wearing a brown paper bag over my head. Embarrassed like I was a New Orleans Aints fan or a Tampa Bay Yucks fan from the 70s because right now I'm pretty disgraced and embarrassed to be wearing uh, – a giant uniform today, a jersey, and I'm just—it's. Uh, we'll get into it, but this is these are these are the bad times. What, what do you got on there? Is that the new Tony jersey? Yeah, it's a guy who gets, you know, three fucking targets and and and, and you know two completions, a first round draft pick. Man, if if you guys are listening to this one on SoundCloud or, or iTunes, you're really getting half of our product here. <laughs> Cranky Fan has set this one up for you to sub to the YouTube channel. I think I and I had no planning in this at all. So, um, well, we got an increased uh, production budget for one brown paper bag. So yeah, yeah, and it was probably the the ten cents that our tickets were worth. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, this is one of the lowest points for me as a Giants fan. And I grew up mainly in my, like, memory section of my childhood was, like, the Dave Brown and, um, what the hell, Danny Cannell years. I mean, that those are gruesome years of four wins every single year. I, I don't even know if we're going to get four wins this year. And that's with an extra game being played. So think about that this, for a little bit. And, and this is the show that doesn't like to overreact. Mind you, and this is the show that's being recorded now, twenty nine and a half hours after the game ended. I know, and that's, and, uh, that's your it, initial reaction. It's tough, man, and I, I, I didn't write it on the screen because I'm an asshole. Um, but I mean, the, the Giants fall to the Atlanta Falcons, probably one of the worst starting rosters on paper to start the season. After the injuries, it's even worse. Um, and. Uh, pfft, I mean, at one point, losing the game, they ultimately lost the game. Should have never, shouldn't have even been close. And that's not because the Giants are so great. It's because Atlanta is that bad. Um, and quite frankly, I think the part that pisses me off the most is that, um, I, I mean, I already knew it was going to happen so far in advance. I was numb before it even happened. Um, and that is a feeling worse than the heartbreak loss that you shouldn't have lost. I mean, if this game were in a vacuum, I'd be enraged, throwing... I mean, I, I, it's at the point now where it's so commonplace that well, I... It, I mean, I, what, what, what do we even do to that? I don't know how to do this podcast today. Like, I have, like, a sheet that you guys don't see that's just notes. It's like a note card so that I can speak words, but, like, I know what I'm trying to say. And right now, I'm looking at it, and I, I got nothing. I got nothing for you guys. I'm really sorry. It's just going to be well, us today. Well, I got plenty, Grump. Go so, for it. Can I have the floor for a minute? Pack it up. First pack thing, it in. First things first. Ugh. Goddamn thing is too hot, but you got the point. 
You know, if this was a game just in a vacuum, I would be furious. I'd be angry. But something occurred to me, and I tried to articulate it last week on this show, where I was trying to figure out Joe Judge. You know, what exactly is Joe Judge? Is he just, you know, just a conservative coach in the mold of a Bill Belichick? But was Bill Belichick really conservative? What's going on here? Why are we doing some of the decisions, the uh, the play calling, the scheming? Why are we so passive? Why are we so conservative? And I realized it during yesterday's Giant game, and I also realized it last night watching that 49er game. The New York Giants, the culture that we have here, and this is from the Maras on down, is for a team – and a philosophy and a culture for an NFL that just no longer exists. The, you know, the lunch pail, run the ball, play really good defense, don't make mistakes, you know, just all of that stuff was fine for an NFL in 1993 or 1986 when the scores were much lower, the rules were much different, uh, you know, they didn't favor the offense so much. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, you know, Mara, I'm going to start this at the top, my blame, you know, he's a career lifelong football guy. He from basically from the cradle is part of New York Giants culture, you know, from his father and grandfather and all the way back to 1925. And, you know, a leopard never changes his stripes and, you know, what made the Giants and what you think of, you identify as a Giant fan. You can ask anybody. In, if you walk around the Meadowlands, the parking lot where people are tailgating, you see all the LT jerseys. You see all the guys and like, you know, just, you know, they revel in this kind of like, you know, we are a lunch pail team. We are going to grind it out. You know, Gettleman in his press conference was talking about hog mollies and this and that. That's not this league anymore. That's not this game anymore. This game is about scoring. It's about score as much as you can. You know, the NX analytics revolution now is about, you know, if it's fourth and one, the, the odds say go for it. You know, go for it, go for it, go for it. And if you don't get it this time, you'll get the ball back and go for it again because you most likely will score. Making a game shorter, being conservative, oh, we'll pin them, we'll play good defense. That's a loser's lose mentality in this league right now. And look at all the great teams. Look at all the great coaching minds. They're all these younger guys with these wide open philosophies and, and strategies that take advantage of the rules. You know, if you fart in a receiver's direction, it's a penalty. You know, so what do teams do? They're vertical. They throw deep. They challenge the cornerbacks. The odds of a cornerback making a great play in a pick are much rarer than a completion, a P.I., a defensive holding, whatever. And you know something? If they do get burned on the – you know, if they get picked, they'll go back and they'll try it again next time. And we don't do that. And I really think the problem with this team is just it's the culture itself in the very top. And, you know, look at who we hired. Dave Gettleman is 98 years old. Uh, you know, he's from a, a bygone era. Jason Garrett, you know, may not be 100 years old, but, you know, he's from a – a, a different time in the NFL when – and look at where the Cowboys played. They played with a Zeke Elliott and a huge offensive line, and they just – you know, they dominated lines. But that's not the way the game is anymore again. Uh, you know, we get a guy like Daniel Jones, but instead of doing the things that a modern NFL would be, you know, running RPOs and doing things to 
you know, accent and, and use the skills, put them in the best position to win. We don't do that. We do things, you know, you see the play calling, the conservative play calling in the red, red zone. We get guys like Kyle Rudolph, whose job is to be in the red zone, to be a great target, never even look at the guy ever. You know, it's just – and that's – the problem after this game is not I'm angry we lost. It's just that that realization is – we are where we are, and it's not going to change anytime soon with the way the Maris look at this team. And until that happens, we get a guy, a, a young creative guy who takes over in Dave Gettleman's role. Uh, you know, Joe Judge might be a good coach, but he is the wrong coach for this league right now, I think. And the, 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 the decision-making you do is not because he's a bad coach and does stupid decisions. It's he has a philosophy that is counter to what makes successful in this league. And so I'm not I'm of course I'm angry we lost, but I'm more just resigned to the fact that this is the way it's gonna be for a while. I don't know how this is gonna change unless something happens at the very top. And throwing, you know, garbage cans outside your 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 suite is not the answer. It's coming to that realization that we are in twenty twenty one we need to change completely how we think about this organization and how you build an infrastructure because the roster is not a three-win roster. It's how it's utilized is the problem and how it's play called. And until we get there, we're hosed. That's my soapbox. Absolutely. I mean, exactly what you said, right? Like um, this league now is – designed to protect the offense it's designed honestly the rules are specifically designed to put up points because points means excitement and excitement means viewers and viewers means money it's not a coincidence that these rules have come in place where quarterbacks if you breathe on them it's a 15 yard penalty and you know they have their own special set of rules and wide receivers only have to complain a little bit and they'll get you know, they'll, they'll get a, a holding penalty. You're right. And, you know, it's not magic or rocket science that when essentially the fan base at this point has bullied the Giants offense into starting to throw downfield a little bit. And we saw it from week one to week two on a quick two-game turnaround. All of a sudden we're playing an offense that we haven't seen all of last year or at thus far this year. And suddenly it fucking works. Suddenly the zone read is like the best play we have in the playbook. Is Daniel Jones deciding, am I running a dive here or am I just going to take off? And all he's got to read is one guy. It's a simple play. It's assignment football. And half the time we run dive plays instead of it. So your worst, the worst thing you can do is run the zone read and let it end up being a dive because the defensive end plays his keys correctly. And it's not so, a gimmick offense. I mean, it's an offense no. that is it's very successful in college and in the NFL. I mean, look at Seattle. I mean, Seattle won a Super Bowl with a quarterback, you know, probably may have more skill than Daniel Jones at doing all the things, but they're very successful running that. I don't understand the aversion to a quarterback who is actually playing very well. Yes. I mean, for, you know, if anybody wants to complain Daniel Jones at, at this moment is, again, falling back on what their preconceived notions in there you know, this is what I believe Daniel Jones is. He's playing pretty damn well. And when he's put into the best positions to succeed by catering the offense to his strengths, he's even better. The problem is that he is being hamstrung, you know, and okay, the scapegoat for this might be Jason Garrett, but what happens if they if they decide to launch Jason Garrett? What changes fundamentally about what this team wants to do? Nothing. 
Because again, Joe Judge, who has his fingerprints on things, is going to ensure that it still remains conservative because he doesn't want to put the defense in a position to be unsuccessful. And he wants to keep games close, make games shorter. And you know something? That may work if you are a 23-point underdog against Kansas City, for example. But when you're playing a shit team like Atlanta, a team that's you know, already checking their scattering reports to see who the number one draft pick and who the top quarterback will be for the future, you shorten a game by you know, on, on fourth and three you know, punting on scenarios and things where you're giving them more opportunities and stuff. It doesn't matter who, who the coordinator is going to be or whatever. This is, the, this is the philosophy of this team. You know, Joe Judge, he got this job based on his interviews, not on his past record. It's not like they, you know, they, they brought in guys who had track records as head coaches. They brought him in because he said the shit they wanted to hear. And what mm. they wanted to hear is what you're seeing with this team. You, They want to hear, oh, guys, a hard ass in practice, make some run sprints. That's jack-off material for them. You know, they want, oh, I'm, we want good defense. You know, another one for them. And he's doing exactly what they want to do. Probably doesn't work. The problem is it doesn't work. And here's the thing, is that the offense does work. I mean, the way it's designed. The problem is that it takes forever, which is not today's NFL game, which shortens the game. I mean, it's absolutely... It is... It's got it's a twofold problem with this offense. Okay, it can work, and it, it we saw it. I mean, this is a terrible defense that they played, but they marched down the field constantly in this game. There was no shortage of yardage being racked up. Here's the first problem with this, and this has been this isn't news to you guys. Those of you who watch Talking Giants or follow them, there's tons of people that are saying this. The biggest problem with this offense is that when you have when you play for chunk yards always at all times to try and get first down after first down and you run these 15, 20 play drives, everything always has to be perfect. Now that works if you're the 2008 Giants and you have a great offensive line, you have a, a, a Super Bowl winning, a, a Super Bowl MVP at quarterback, and you have three really good running backs and you have a number one wide receiver and fine it works then this isn't that roster and not only that the guys you had penciled in to run this offense well half of them are fucking out you've got your your starting centers out your starting left guard is out you've failed to find them good replacements by signing guys so you've went out and traded assets for guys that are also not very good billy price and ben bredison are undoubtedly the two worst guys on this line except for maybe nate solder but solder's been kind of passable the last two weeks yeah, but I you're, mean, you're, you're talking anecdotally, though. You're talking about this particular game or this particular. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying this offense can work if every single thing works perfectly. the The context in regards to this particular game is, you know, your your first drive going down the field, everything was going fine, and then uh, Billy Price just falls down to to kill it in the red zone because it. it, it he just falls down. It's a free shot on Daniel Jones. He gets sacked. They can't recover from that because this offense is designed to go 10 yards, not 20. Jeez. I mean, heaven forbid. The second drive, they're moving, moving, moving. One, the the only scuff on Daniel Jones's game, he, he flubs the, the shotgun snap, goes through his hands. He's got to fall on it. This offense isn't designed to recover from something like that. They stall in the red zone again. I mean, and right there, you're looking at 6 nothing instead of 14 nothing. And that 
that really, I mean, this team isn't good enough to string together 15 perfect plays. They're not good enough. Most teams aren't that good, which well, is problem, why this offense doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the problem is the league isn't, this league is not a 15-play drive league anymore either because, again, 100%. The, other side, the other side isn't doing that. And, you know, the, the game is 50-50 offense-defense. So, okay, we're playing this ball control thing of, you know, everything has to be for 15 plays. But on defense, mm-hmm. there's a conservative feeling of, you know, don't, don't be put out on the island. Don't be in a situation where one play is going to burn you and they're going to score quickly. So they, they, this defense this year has been playing softer and softer. Guys are back and back. You're allowing them to have, you know, take take what you're giving them. And guess what? This defense collapsed in the fourth quarter because they got gassed. They ran out of gas. So you're playing so conservative on both sides of the ball when nobody – your opponent is not, and they're going for it, and they're doing things – and right, this is not built to catch up, but in this league, your offense should be built to get 15 yards on any play, not yes. to play to the sticks. And that's a philosophical problem that's not going to change if Jason Garrett goes away and uh, uh, what Romeo Cornell becomes the, the coordinator or they get rid of Cornell and they bring in someone else from the family who might have been a coordinator 26 years ago under Ray Hanley or some horseshit that you know giant fans want to hear all the blah blah that has something has to change and i don't know how you're going to get to Mero for that i think it's hilarious you know retrospectively looking at it you know i mean this was this was a gut check for giants fans right because i mean we're we're devastated at zero and two but this was the gimme game this one and i don't think they lost because they looked past them either so i'm going to shut that down right now but for fans this was the gimme game this is the one where and don't think that that was missed by the Giants who scheduled this Eli Manning day happening on this day. That was not missed, believe me. And that's probably at least 10% why John Mara is throwing trash cans is because this was the gimme game. Yeah. He got embarrassed uh, because he got embarrassed not because him personally was booed. The perception when it went out mm-hmm. to ESPN and to all the talking head shows is Giant fans are booing their owner. They're boo at the at the at the ten minutes where giant fans should forget about the present and think about the past. It was can't. marred. I think it was marred because they booed anything. Period, and they booed their owner. And it, I don't think he's a guy like Donald Trump. Don't get me. This is not a political statement. This is a fact. Who takes all these little slights personally? I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's the organization was embarrassed. And mm-hmm. 0-3 is embarrassing. 0-2 every year for five years is embarrassing. But this is one of those just everything kind of came together at the heap of embarrassment. And whether that – usually you know, whether it's in sports or in business or in your relationships or anything, it takes a touch point where everything falls to shit and when change really happens. Now – we are talking – I am talking not just change of launching Joe Judge or getting rid of uh, you know, Garrett. Those are scapegoats. I mean systematic, philosophical, fundamental change that changes the trajectory and the path of this, this team for the next decade and beyond. Because this roster, in spite of you know, the, the, the deficiencies and some holes and some depth and some things, is not a three- to four-win roster. It isn't. It's not a, it's not a 12-win roster, but it's not a four-win roster. 
and it's not being utilized correctly. You know, you have a quarterback that's definitely on the rise. I mean, we're not getting his yellow jacket yet for Canton, but he's playing as an adequate quarterback in this league right now, and he's getting better and better. Not utilizing him right. You know, you know, secondary. We spent a ton of money on on the secondary. We got, we were just all off season. The two of us were like, how great this secondary is going to be. All the things that Patrick Graham can do. Well, we're doing none of it. You know, so not all of a sudden because the roster sucks. It's the utilization of it. So I, I give Giant fans a little speck of hope. And for those of you who are on the ledge and ready to jump, I mean, you may want to jump anyway because you know, the, you know, I don't know how stubborn the mares is on the top, but. A complete rebuild might be more easier to do if they decide to – if they scrap this whole coaching staff and go with a philosophy of trying to be a 21st century team, I think it's easier to put a new coaching staff and everything in place than having to rebuild a roster from scratch because we don't have to. We have the quarterback that can run a 21st century offense. We have the receivers. I mean, we have Saquon Barkley. You can do so many things in a modern NFL. So it's not a question of it's going to take several drafts and several – you know, starting over in free agency, we we can do all these things. It's just, you know, we, it might we might need some short term embarrassment and growing pains of, you know, getting rid of this entire coaching staff, getting rid of this GM, and starting from scratch. And you all know that I have not I have been as much of a defender of Dave Gellman as I can possibly be, but I I think the game has passed by everybody who's in charge in this team, and it has to start over and start fresh. Well, I, I mean, I got I got a bunch of stuff in 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 my uh, my uh, arsenal here in the, in the chamber. So so give me a moment here while I uh, don't say arsenal because I'm a Tottenham guy, so I don't hear the word arsenal. Uh, sorry, sorry. In the in the chamber, let's uh, we'll we'll pull the trigger here. So first thing that I just think is funny, just an observation is, you know, looking back, a lot of Giants fans look at that firing of Tom Coughlin as the turning point for this organization because while they did flounder under Coughlin from here and there, there was an obvious and clear disconnect between coaching staff and front office when Tom Coughlin was here. I mean, there was, it was clear when guys that were drafted weren't getting playing time at all. And I mean, it's not for, it wasn't any mystery. I mean, some of these guys that were getting drafted, I'll never forget Jerry Reese drafting Michael Thompson. And I know this is a fifth round pick that we're talking about, but this was a guy who I had to Google. I had no idea who this person was at all. He played preseason snap, tore his Achilles, and he's gone. I mean, the Jerry Reese era didn't just have guys who didn't make it to second contracts, had guys that were out of the NFL very, very quickly. Um, and this isn't a this isn't a defend Dave Gettleman statement. I'm saying a lot of people look at that turning point of firing Tom Coughlin, of switching to Ben McAdoo, of the Giants pivoting painfully away from guys who had done stuff for them but it was time to move into the 21st century that was the that was the talking point that was the headline that was the justification that was everything and i'm not saying that that's wrong because there's a reason that tom coughlin a didn't become a coach out of that after that and b isn't even in the league right now Uh, it was pretty much forced out of the league but I i would say the main reason right now tom coughlin is not in the league anymore is he's caring for his wife and if you saw that video well, yeah he looks, that's... He looks he's, he's getting pretty old so I, I i i i understand your point but i i think you know the coughlin example may not be the best one for that but i guess no i mean I, I think it's legitimate though i mean i i i, I, I don't even i don't even want to get into all that but i mean there's no sugarcoating or hiding the fact that tom coughlin was essentially kind of forced out of the league after you well, know no, he went he went back to jacksonville and he was kind of the 
head of player development for Jacksonville for a while. He didn't. But that's where he was forced out. That's what I'm saying. Oh, at at, at Jacksonville. Yeah, with the violations, with practicing and, and finding players when he's not allowed to, according to the CBA and shit. Yeah, but yeah, but they also were. If you remember, did they make the uh, it's a championship game or AFC? At least a divisional. Yeah, I want to say yes, but it was literally the first year he was there, so I don't know how much you can actually attribute to him. You know, it's he inherited at least sixty percent of whatever the product was. I mean, I whatever the point is point. that was that was supposed to be the trajectory into the twenty first century. Ben McAdoo was a colossal fucking failure, and and you know Joe Judge. I mean, we're back where we started. Dave Gettleman was a bad hire, and we said it on the show when it happened. Now I've tried to be fair. Because, you know, the higher is the higher. I don't like it, but who the fuck am I? So, whatever, my opinion. Okay, also, let's, takes, let's see what he take, can it do. Takes year, it takes years to prove a GM is good or bad. 100%, which is why we were trying to, be, okay, well, let's see. And, you know, you can't grade this guy yet. And to his credit, I still agree with and like a lot of his moves. I have always been on the Andrew Thomas train. I don't care if you think Tristan Wirfs is better. I am sticking by that. I like that move. You know, I, I'm okay with a lot of the, I mean, I like Daniel Jones. I, I like the. I, I like him where he is. He is handling the media really well. He is a good quarterback. He does have a good skill set that is finally starting to be utilized. Um, and also, but most quarterbacks do not start their rookie year lighting up the league. So I mean, the, the, the Dave Gettleman's drafting career at the Giants is always going to be defined by Saquon Barkley. I mean, yeah. the quarterback is one thing, but I, I think it all makes sense now. Now you look at under the prism of, is this a 21st century team or a 20th century team? A 20th century team says, I am taking the, I am taking the running back as high, the, as high as I can because I am going to base my offense around my running back. And, you know, the, in hindsight... You know, we were not ready to have that piece as part of our offense. We didn't have the offensive line to support him. We didn't have a quarterback going into the future to support him. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. On that point, though, hang on, hang on. I will – so what I was setting up there was that while I can defend a lot of Dave Gettleman's stuff, just because he's an upgrade over Jerry Reese doesn't mean that he's good. And I don't think that he's done a good – I mean, the record shows that he's made – I mean, he was – Inherited an offense, a, a, a roster that required last-second changes and dumping money where you don't want to do it. But that doesn't mean that those weren't failures. I mean, Patrick Omame was a move that I didn't agree with right from the beginning. And that was a starter move. And, I mean, I can go on and on. And you guys already know it. That's fine. He's been better than Jerry Reese and still not good enough. Now, when you say, when you take Saquon Barkley, you're making your offense all about that. That's fine and that's correct. But Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, for that matter, who's also a Dave Gettleman guy, is more than just a running back. So you can you can t- justify and make that pick and say, I'm going to make my offense revolve around this guy because he's more than just a running back. And I agree with that statement, and I think that's – while yeah, that's, I'm that's, not the guy who's going to make that pick, I can, I can get behind it, but that's not what happened. I mean, they, they, it's just remember- not. Remember, Christian McCaffrey was drafted. They already had Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. No, you're they right. Had a pretty, they had a pretty good team already. When they, he was not the second pick in the draft. No, he, he was wasn't. A first round pick. He was, and it's like you know, you can buy the greatest paint in the world, but until you build the house, you just have a can of paint. You know, you have the most expensive, highest quality paint in the world, and that's kind of what we did. Was we bought the paint before we built the house. You know, it doesn't mean that we don't need really good paint, but. You know, in hindsight now, it's like, well, maybe we could have waited to make that purchase because there could be a 
if not exactly Saquon Barkley, someone 98% of Saquon Barkley who comes up in every draft. There's always one. And, mm-hmm. you know, that would be the number one priority. So in hindsight, but again, that's a decision when you look at it through my my theory of that we are a last century team or a last decade team. It makes more sense why we did it. And, you know, and, and for Gettleman, for all the drafting he did and all the trades, again, if we had a, if we had, you know, he's, he's hired two head coaches or three. He, did he hire a McAdoo? Two. No, he did two. not. So two coaches that he's hired. If the philosophy why they've been hired is to, you know, execute execute a plan that they think is, you know, coming from above, how successful ultimately is the GM going to be and the people he has are not being utilized to what they should be doing. So, again, I am not putting this fully on the blame of Gettleman. I am putting this, this – please, this is not something I thought of on the train ride home last night. This is something I've been thinking about for a long, long time, and I was hoping that I was wrong with this year, and I think – when I started coming up with this thing about how conservative we are, it all kind of clicked. So, you know, Gettleman is doing the bidding of what he's being told to from a philosophical standpoint. You know, and some blame maybe on Gettleman for the picks if they work out or not, but this is most of my blame goes up top. Um, here's something that I think I can attribute solely to Joe Judge. Um, we had in this game three dropped interceptions, two by Logan Ryan, one by Adoree Jackson. Last week we had a dropped touchdown by Darius Slayton. Um, you know, there's that we had two weeks in a row, two games in a row where we had an Ill, ineligible lineman downfield, and these things tell me, you know, because because I do look at I I look. I didn't watch any fucking football yesterday. I was pissed when I got home. Really pissed. Um, and uh, I'm really thinking to myself here, like, I don't get it. Like, I, I know that the play calling is hampering things, right? I can understand that. But 14 fucking points against Atlanta, one touchdown of those. Is it? And the reason is, you know, as I go through it, like I said, you have Billy Price falls down on one play. Je- Daniel Jones flubs a snap on another play. We have a, a CJ Board OPI that's a phantom call, a CJ Board phantom holding call. These things destroy these drives. They all tell me details. The details aren't there. And that is practice. And I'm not going to sit here and take the easy cheap shot of, oh, maybe instead of running laps, you should be running. I'm going to say the real thing. And I think maybe we have enough proof that sitting guys constantly and for whatever reason you can think of is not going to cut it for preseason. It's not going to cut it because you have a rusty week one. Okay. But you know going into the season that you have that quick turnaround on week two. So maybe you shouldn't have that rusty week one. Maybe you should be one of the most prepared teams in the league week one when you know you have the quick turnaround for week two. You don't have time to work on fucking details anymore. Um, And now you have 10 days to prepare and still the fucking details. Ineligible man downfield? I mean, do we practice this play or what? The timing is way off and there was nothing to disturb it. To me, this tells me that maybe... The conservatism isn't just in in the philosophy or the play callings. It's an overall personality. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know, you guys who follow me on Twitter know I'm a huge Tampa Bay Rays fan. And you know one of my biggest criticisms of that team 
I know you Yankee fans are laughing at me because I'm criticizing them. It's the fact that we are always too concerned about the big picture and not worried. Sometimes we'll sacrifice individual games. Oh, this, we're going to keep this pitcher out here even though he's shitting the bed because I don't want to waste the bullpen for tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I think a lot of that is happening with this team also. It's just you know the over – worrying about somebody you know getting injured or wearing out or something and these guys are just not being prepared uh going back to something you said a couple of minutes ago you know i can separate in my head between physical and mental mistakes a, a ball going through a you know a, a dropped pass by a corner that's a physical mistake you know, three I, I in one a, game i think that's a coincidence i mean what do you think okay. these guys you guys think you guys you think these guys don't practice catching during all off season? I don't think maybe it's not worked out on enough. I, I, I mean, these guys—that's what they do. What do corners do all off season? You know, they they practice the catching the ball and stuff. I mean, I think that's a coincidence. It's the stuff like you said, which I think is really telling, is the they don't get lined up correctly. The the, the false starts, the ineligible man, the illegal man downfield, the. The, the botch, you know, we get to the red zone. It's fourth and one. We're not prepared. We have to call a timeout. We're not mm. organized. That's the stuff that is – that's unexcusable. That's what you're saying. Physical mistakes happen. That happens. That's, that's football happens. Every team has that. An overthrow, I mean, drop. Yes and no. Yes and no. What I'm saying is the difference here is that, yes, corners themselves, yeah, they all go to Florida and they practice together in the sand. And, yes, they're catching balls. What I'm saying is that other teams on top of that work on it in practice. So that this doesn't – maybe that's not fucking happening, okay? Or maybe it's not happening enough because, I mean, we've got one pick this year and it was like this crazy outstanding play and like seven dropped picks. We, I mean, this what, what are we working on in practice if, if Will Hernandez, who's been here for like four years, is the ineligible man downfield? We are clearly came into the season not prepared to start the season. That is blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. And, you know – you watch the NFL. You have red red zone. You watch these other teams. Do we see this with other teams? I mean, we see some shoddy play, but we're not seeing, you know. And I think a lot of like some of the you know the defensive calls might be attributed to that. Why are we playing so soft and so conservative? Maybe the coaching staff doesn't feel that this this team is ready for what they've seen in practice, and they they're more scared of giving up the big play after big play, and they're allowing shit over the middle. Theory I have. So it all comes back to preparation and. That is 100% squarely starting at the top at Joe Judge and then filtering down through his coordinates, but it starts with him. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Is the defensive softness just the opposite side of not keeping up with the NFL? Because, I mean, they're playing to the sticks on defense, right? They're saying on third and 10, we'll give you nine. Well, guess what, asshole? People are going for it on fourth and one now, and they're getting it. Almost mm-hmm. every time. So when you play to the sticks on defense, when that's your philosophy, the bend don't break, this might be the end of it now. I mean, we're really seeing in the last three to four years that fourth down and three or less is almost an automatic when you are at your own 40 and closer. Yeah. So playing to the sticks in that range is useless because you're letting them get into a fourth down scenario that they're more than comfortable with going for. And and also the teams that, that you know, Right, because teams will go for it because they know if they don't go for it and they don't get it this time, they're going to do it again the next time and try yeah. it again. And you know something? Teams that play 
you know, up more in those situations on defense. They're not afraid of getting burnt by a play because they know on offense they're attacking the next play. So it's like, okay, you scored. We'll go back and score again. They don't mind. Teams, the successful teams, the winning teams are not the 85 Bears. They're not the Giants of 86. They are Kansas City. They are teams that will win. They, they play shootouts and they win shootouts. The Bucks last year, they'll just outscore you. They'll just mm-hmm. keep scoring. You know, they give up a touchdown. Like, their defense is not that good. We saw it the year before when we were down there. We were like, this defense sucks. Not much better the next year. They just were able to, you know, you get a, a, a generational quarterback and you get some more weapons. And it's like, fuck it. We'll just outscore you. Mm-hmm. We give up a 70-yard plank. All right. Kick off to us. We'll, we'll, we'll get that back. We don't have that mentality in the absolute least. You're playing it. Hell no. Best. No. And that's that's philosophical. Yeah. Um... And, and, and all of a sudden, Joe Judge has not all of a sudden become a run and shoot coach. You know, and we're, we're not going to run 90 plays and, and do the hurry up and do all this crazy stuff and five wideouts and, you know, all this new wave stuff. It's not happening. And you know something? I'd be very surprised if the next coach wants to do that because that's the way we are. And that's what's deflating and that's why I had that bag on my head. Um, I mean, I know that Atlanta's defense is not really uh, what you would consider the benchmark for something working on offense, you know? Um, but, I mean, I think we agree that a lot of the conservative conservatism on offense, we think, was to protect Daniel Jones from turnovers and... Uh, just in general, not get him killed while he's a rookie in the rebuilding the line. But I think we've seen in the last two games, because Washington isn't a shit defense, and news, I might have said... Newsflash, Grump. He's not turning the ball over. He's not getting killed by an offensive line. Thank you. Things, exactly. You know, don't be afraid of the... Uh, don't be afraid of what-ifs when it isn't happening. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe give Daniel Jones some fucking credit, and there's a reason you drafted him in the top... T- t- top fucking 10 or you whatever play, you play with training wheels all your life you have to play i mean play. he's this, this is a man who ran through grady jarrett on a two-point conversion ran through the only guy on that defense i was worried about ran through him defensive tackle that should be that should have been a five-yard loss every single time it happens we're, we're talking about a guy who gashed chase young and montez sweat with zone reads last week. We watched him juke a guy out of the backfield and then make a throw uh, yesterday. I mean, this is a kid who's actually pretty fucking good. Maybe he doesn't need protecting. Maybe he can uh, deal with his offensive line problems. Maybe let him play quarterback. uh, Let me give you another example why this is all about culture. Carl Banks is a jackass. Mm -hmm. I've said that before on this show. I I, do love Carl Banks, but... He has, has, other than the fact that he was a linebacker, 30 years ago on this team, he has no business being in the radio booth. And, you know, when we, we parted ways in Secaucus, I listened to the postgame show and I listened to, like, you know, their their spiel and everything. And he said something like, it's embarrassing that the leading rusher for this team last week is Daniel Jones. I don't think that's embarrassing. He had of a great not. game. That's the fucking modern NFL where, you know, something, you have a quarterback who is a dual threat guy who can do things. Having a quarterback who can run for 100 and something yards and important yards, a a a a, uh, uh, a chunk play when this team gets no chunk plays, you know, like you said on the, on, on you know, get on the goal line, you know, busting through a guy and think, who can be that versatile, can do that type of stuff for running. Why is it embarrassing? Much less why is it not being utilized? You know something? If they're so afraid he gets hurt, 
He can get hurt on any fucking play that happens. He can get hurt on a on a handoff. He can get hurt on a, on a, a busted coverage. He can have you know a a, 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 a turf gremlin could all of a sudden. He can have an, a, an untouched play and he can tear an Achilles. Injuries happen. You can't play in fear of it. And you know, but again. Carl Banks has been with this organization for 35 years and he's part of Giants culture. And it's just like saying stuff like that makes you sound like you are not in touch with what this league is. And it's just another example of it. And uh, again, I don't know how you change hearts and minds to you know, join us in this millennium. Well, I mean, saying that is like reading a bumper sticker, right? Yeah, okay, it's embarrassing when your quarterback has more rushing yards than your running back. That makes sense when... 15 years ago, Tom Brady is the prototypical quarterback. He's not anymore. Kyler Murray is. Baker Mayfield is. Remember something, though. You know, most Giant fans, you know, they get their news. They don't listen to just Giants or talking Giants or Patty. Well, they should. They should if they don't want to sound stupid. Or they're not listening to Patty's show or all the great blogs and all the great web. They're getting the majority of their news and their information about the Giants, listening to Papa and Banks during the game, these post-game shows, whatever those meatheads on the fan or uh, ESPN radio were saying, what the columnist says in you know the Daily News. I mean, I get I get texts all week from people of like, did you see this column in the Post? I'm like, no, I don't care what the general sports guy is saying with the most basic cliches out there i i i want analysis i want to learn things and that's the problem is when you have a a guy like carl banks saying stupid stuff like that it just reinforces you know the 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 machoism of the giant fan and just kind of nostalgia for the past when it was oh so cool to see mark show me another highlight again of mark bravaro running through seven guys and show me you know oj anderson making a, a run or something and that's what they like that's what they know and they just kind of revel in it and that's what they expect to see and saying things like that you're, you're, makes it harder for everyone to accept what ultimately has to happen for this team is to change. I have no issue with Daniel Jones being the leading rusher on this team if oh. the zone read is part of this offense. I have an issue with it if it's not, and he's he's chunking up maybe 15 yards per game on not designed runs, passes that broke down, and he's just getting a couple yards each time. Yeah, obviously that's a problem, but that's not who he is. This isn't Eli Manning leading the team. This is a guy who's a legitimate runner. He's zone, faster than half the team. The zone read in the RPO might, that along with the deep bomb, you know, not the deep bomb, but like just the vertical play, are our two best offensive sets. They're the ones that are the most successful. When is this offense hum? When we do both of those things. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, when Saquon Barkley's back to being 100% physically and mentally, that probably will change. But you know something? We got guys, we, we we spent a lot of money on guys to do just that. You know, guys who can, you know, who can get open 15, 20 yards. They can, you know, they hit in stride, make big plays happen. We're not using any of their, you know, their skill set. No wonder why these guys are frustrated. Kadarius Tony got is a first round pick and he's sitting around playing with himself on the sidelines because he's he's not in there. Uh, you know, Galladay's already frustrated at Garrett because he's basically like a decoy now and he's, they spent a lot of money on him and he wanted to, you know, be a star in New York and it's not happening. You know, it, you can only be in, the only thing you put people in the right position to succeed as best as what their skill sets are and we are clearly not doing that. And another one there, and I, and this is going to generate its own conversation, but, I mean, this guy is as good as gone, but 
Evan Ingram has been a guy who has not once been in a position where his skill set's been utilized. And yeah. I understand his skill set is supposed to include catching the ball. So this is not a defensive Evan Ingram. This is not – there's no excusing the product on the field. I mean, his his stat line yesterday is three drops and a fumble. That's it. That's all no, he has. Well, now at, at this point now, now it's a mental thing now. And it's something where, you know, I don't know if – I don't know if the Giants coaching staff or him personally are, you know – when you when you hurt your arm, you go to a therapist to fix your arm. When you are suffering, I think from psychological scarring from all the things he's done wrong or stuff. I I hope he's getting a, a sports therapist, a sports counselor or something because all of this is not physical. This is in his head right now, and yeah, you know I'm, I'm more I'm worried about him as a person, you know, because it's only going to get worse. You know, each time he drops it, now you're getting you know, the fan face booing. When he's on the field and clapping when he comes off, that's not going to help the confidence for him. And no, no, I can't imagine that. But I, I to be fair, the, the the fans. I mean, he was a tipped pass interception away from the Evan Ingram cycle. Is really where he was at at that point. So I mean, the fans, you you have every right to boo. Don't think I'm telling you. Don't think I'm telling you that it's not fair. Or whatever. I'm just saying it sucks. And it sucks want, because but... he's a guy I didn't want. I didn't like the draft pick. I wasn't looking forward to him. I I. Didn't think we were going to take him. But to his credit, the one thing he did well in college that made him a first-round pick, he hasn't done here. He's doing all new shit. I mean, you knew he can't block. You, you know he's not going to be good just running and stopping. He's got great speed. Let him run. We're, at this point, it's forget it. I mean, I don't even know why he's getting playing time. Why is he playing to run a stick route or an over route when you have Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph? And not that they should be running that, but they're just going to be better at it. Their, their threat is not to run deep. That's his. I mean, it's a whole misallocation of resources that aren't even good resources to begin with. I mean, it's it's like a double I, problem burger I, sandwich. You know something? You can say, well, that's not Dave Gettleman's fault that they're not using the use of It is. Coaches. It but, but, absolutely but, but, let me, is. Let, let me finish. He's the one who hired those coaches to utilize the resources they're given and they're failing him so that's still on Gettleman look you went out and you, you found Caden Smith to their Caden Smith is a good player on this team is he great no not trying to say that he's very good he can do enough stuff you go out and get Kyle Rudolph Kyle Rudolph is good I don't care what anybody says he's good you not only are you running this archaic offense but I don't understand why Evan Ingram isn't trade value to you why is he getting snaps i don't i don't understand any of this i don't know why he gets snaps over rudolph and smith i know he can do things better than them obviously i would never argue that i'd rather have caden smith running a go route or a double move than evan ingram what i will say is we're not running that play so who gives a shit I mean, quite frankly, you know, we were kind of half joking, half serious that, you know, the league perception of Evan Ingram is not what reality is. I mean, the guy won, made the Pro Bowl last year. But at some point, teams get filmed. They're like, you know something? But we thought this guy is <laughs> it's not anymore. So I'm even, not, the, I w- even the threat of him isn't even there anymore. I mean, even if he runs the route, he never gets the pass. So, I mean, you're... Is- I, basically, is- burn me with it, and I'll deal with it before I worry about it. Really. Bottom line, Grump. Let's 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 compartmentalize yeah. this into two things. Let's compartmentalize this into setting expectations for 2021 and the bigger picture of 
what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? I mean, 2021, you know, in theory, you know, I'm watching this game now, you know, Dallas is up two touchdowns late third quarters. We, you know, record this on a, on a Monday night, you know, they're theoretically still in the hunt for winning this Anything. division. It's all, it's all up and up for grabs right now. Right. Three this, games division, in. this division stinks. I mean, Philly is not good. Dallas has the potential to run away with this division if they keep playing the way they've been playing and they keep, you know, you still have to win in this league. And no matter how good or bad you think somebody is winning trumps all. And they are, they're winning. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be what two and one after this. And that's a leg up on the rest of the division. So it's a little, it's a little premature to say season's over. Let's start looking at the draft just yet, but let's be realistic. Let's look at the schedule for the next five weeks. I mean, they get the saints next Cowboys after that, right? Mm-hmm. Keep going. Bucks, I think, after that. No, Bucks are later. Bucks are okay. in your November. They got the Rams. Uh, Rams. The Raiders are in there somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're looking and... at teams that are three and oh, three and oh, two and one, two and one. I mean it it's like a six or seven game stretch of teams that are just on paper better than I don't know about the Saints. Now, I don't know anything about the Saints, but I mean if you get good Jameis, we'll get destroyed. If you get bad Jameis, we win. I, I love the fact that, this is a side note, the story of Jameis Winston that they tried to spin was the same story from Major League, where they were like, oh, he just needed glasses. Well, you know, uh, Ricky, <laughs> what's his name? Ricky Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn. He also spent time in a penitentiary, and Jameis Winston <laughs> should have, but I, I can see the similarities. I could see Jameis Winston you. lighting up the California Penal League. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, uh, this this is the NFL, and this has been a wonky start of the season. So to say automatically every one of those is a guaranteed loss, I don't think is fair to this league because nobody thought we were being Seattle last year. You know, there's this crazy things happen. There could be schedule losses for other teams. You know, we just you know. But something's got to change. They won't win if nothing changes. Yeah, if, if they you know. Expectation is realistic that we probably can only win. We probably will only win one or, the, or two of those next six, seven games. Now you're looking at two and nine, and the season is over. Um, let's and pivot kind of towards what do you think happens? You think is it safe? We can finally have this conversation now. I guess we we've been trying to stall for as long as we can. The Dave Gettleman regime is over after this year. If this team heads towards a you know, four and 13 season or five and 12 season, right? I mean, it is, no one wants to hear this, but a GM isn't measured by certain things. And a GM is protected by the roster he assembles. If they suddenly are injured, it is somewhat off of him. And I know that that's not going to be an excuse to keep, I think he's probably gone, but if this team gets healthy they get themselves to about eight or nine wins. You also have to back up and look at the fact that he did have a really good draft this year and the year before was pretty good to back it up where you can make a case and say they were hurt to start the year. The team I put together is good. You can make that case. I think he's still gone anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean... The, this this starting 0-3 shit, I mean, it... it has a whole different color paint on the year. If the if the records are the same at the end of the year and you start 3-0 and you start 0-3, the 0-3 one, it's still worse. 
even if the records end if, up the same. If Dave Gellman wasn't on the hot seat before this season, if this team didn't start 0-2, you know, every year he's been the GM, if, you know, he might have gotten, like, you know, he might have gotten that pass and said, okay, let's play out these things. But I think there's too much to this point where, you know, this is his fifth year, right? Mm-hmm. No, year? yeah, I'm with fifth you. Year. Uh, Fourth trend, year. Fourth, well, We'd be trend, going into his fifth year, I think. Yeah, the, the trend for this team is not upward. This, it, it's it's flat to possibly even getting worse. And you know something? Unless it's Daniel Jones that gets hurt and is out for the year, nobody wants to hear about injuries. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a reality. It might, it's a perception, but it's a reality. Um, and again, I, and I've been talking, you know, I – my boys in the 124 crew that we always sit with, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's, you know, well, to me, if they don't go two and four in the next thing, or if they do, this is not a question of, you know, if you win X amount of games in the, out, of the, out of the next Y amount, he stays or he goes. It's kind of like now you're starting to get of what is the entire body. Yeah, no, no, you, yeah, you're right. You're right. There are no artificial, you know, in the next five Benchmarks, games, you must yeah. win three. It's we're, we're past that now. Now that's that's coaching staff shit right there. That's coaching staff shit. It's coaching staff and GM. It's right. It's like I'm not firing Joe Judge if we go two and four, but keeping if we go three and three. Well, what happens all of a sudden? There's a pick six and we win a game. Does it change anything about the coaching for it? No. It's it's a it's a body of work. This is next week is going to be Joe Judge's twentieth game as head coach of the Football Giants. That's enough to start giving you trends and understanding we kind of figure out what kind of coach he is it doesn't mean a decision has to be made for joe judds it's just kind of like i think i know what the hand i've been dealt with now is and the question is can you out talent it or is this something that you know we give it a little more time just to prove our theory and then you move on because i personally think that i I didn't want to say this up until this point but i think dave gettleman will be gone after this year and it'll be up to that GM to think if he still wants to keep Joe Judge. If they hire the next generation of Dave Gettleman, who has the same philosophical alignment as the mayor is in this coaching staff, it was a giant guy. And if you hear we are going to get you know, some other idiotic nickname for the offensive line and we're going to be a tough team, the hardest working team, we're going to run the ball, all this horse shit, Joe Judge will be back because they have their man right now. He not he's not doing anything as a coach, in my opinion, yet that says you need to fire the guy. I think he is towing the party line of how they want to run this team. Now, if they bring in somebody, a, a, a new guy, you know, a younger guy who's going to revolutionize, you know, or at least get this team to the 21st century, Joe Judge will be a product of a GM change. But I can very easily see next year Judge still here, mm-hmm. new GM and an evaluation period of Joe judge. I think I can regardless, agree with that. Regardless yeah. of the record. I mean, if we're, if, unless we finish 0 and 17 and it's just like, you know, you have to do yeah, Well, I mean, Let's be I don't even want to, I don't even want to discuss an 0 and 17. This, season. This, this team is probably a four to five win team. It's all said and done there. You know, they're still going to play Philly twice that, you know, they, 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 they got some dogs on that roster and then it'll be the, the upset here or there. It's the way the NFL is. But, I think that Dave Gettleman's time is up here, and I, you know, we've given him as much benefit as probably anybody of any show who covers the Giants or any writers or anything. 
but you know something? It's not an unlimited leash. And Yeah. Well, I mean, before we end this very long episode, I just want to give a round of applause to Aziz Ojolari, who decided he wants to be a New York Giant this year. So three sacks in three games. Congratulations, kid. Um, good for you. Seriously. Um, outstanding work. Um, next episode, I promise, will be much more refined, analytical, and what you guys have come to expect from our show uh, as we preview the game against the Saints. This game was... Um, required us to go off script a little bit so you know i mean hey, we started with a paper bag so <laughs> i mean i i was thinking about calling grump last night and saying should we do an emergency one and i thought against it because obviously i really didn't want to talk about it i know he didn't want to talk about it you know and mm-hmm. we we thought about it for 24 hours and this is one of those you know watershed moments like you know and, and it, again it's realizations and realizations are more important than, well, on this third down, they missed a block. It, it doesn't, that doesn't matter today. You know, it, yeah. it is what it is. It's we, we, one of our goals on this show is to try to set expectations for everybody and be realistic and be honest. And I think from what we've been saying for the last couple of years, I think we have to pivot from that now. And that's why we kind of, we had to do this show. It's, you know, my expectations of, you know, what to expect and, what needs to change have changed. And that's, that's not something that's just a knee jerk reaction to losing to an embarrassingly bad team. It's just a, a culmination of what we see. Don't let your yeah. eyes, don't not believe your eyes in what you see. You, you can do all the analysis and reading stats and next gen things, but smell tests mean something too. And you know, this smells, and yeah. it's not, it's not just me for once. No, um, for more uh, raging positivity, follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I'm nothing but sunshine and rainbows. And uh, you can follow him at the cranky fan, where he is sunshine rainbows about Rays baseball everything, and everything uh, Gators football. So, yeah, you get you get a nice variety of stuff there. Um, hey, the sorry, sorry, I have to be the grump, but yeah, the only thing I is. will say really quick is for all you Yankee fans, we are going to give you a gift this weekend. The Rays are playing for nothing. We will have pitchers and shortstops pitch this weekend so you guys can win three games and get into the playoffs. So you can thank me later. You can buy me a beer at the uh, or drink at the Jameson <laughs> next time you see me for my gift. We're still going to beat your asses in the playoffs, but uh, this weekend we're going to get you in. All right, everyone. We will see you all next time. Go, Go Giants. Giants.